guys. Welcome back to the League Community Podcast. I'm Adila Most Dirty, and with me as co-host today is the one and only Greg Ghostcrawler Street. For this episode, we want to dive into the thing that's on everybody's minds lately, namely the 2016 season update. And for that purpose, we are lucky enough to have Andre Medler Van Roon and Brad, certainly Team Wenbam, with us, both working on parts of the update. Going to get to know them a little bit before chatting about their perspective. Hopefully you guys listening in have already read up on the details, so we're actually planning to take a little bit of a, a broader kind of background look at the gameplay updates. Greg, you want to explain that a bit further? Yeah, preseason is a big opportunity for us to fix a lot of things that have kind of been bothering us and bothering players about the game over time. It's an opportunity to add some depth to areas of the games that are maybe feeling a little shallow at the moment. And um, it's kind of our safe environment to experiment a little bit now that the ranked season has ended and the new one hasn't kicked off yet. Well, good stuff. All right, let's uh, let's get to know you guys a, a tiny bit before we jump into the meat. Uh, uh, Greg, what exactly do you do here? I um, lead game design on League of Legends. We have a lot of game designers on a lot of different teams working on a ton of different projects. Um, work at Riot can be a little chaotic sometimes, so I try to just make sure I know what's going on, make sure the design quality stays high, and that we're headed in the right direction. Awesome. Sounds very needed. What about you, Brad? Uh, I design and update champions. Uh, right now I'm on the champion update team. Uh, yep. Good stuff. Andre? Uh, I'm the lead designer for a group we call Core Gameplay at Riot. Okay. Uh, that's sort of a combination of four teams that work on new champions, game balance, uh, champion updates, and sort of bigger system changes like you know vision and items, that sort of thing. Okay, awesome. So uh, I guess to start it off, Greg, uh, I mean, the, the big question I have is just, you know, like, I think you alluded to this a little bit, but just why preseason? You know, obviously we have ba- balance changes all the time. Why uh, why do we pick this period to to just really, you know, Throw it, throw a ton of change out of players. I mean, there's a couple of reasons at this point. Um, we've set a little bit of expectation. We've done preseason now for for several years, and players kind of expect it. Um, we one of our design values for league is the the idea of evolution. That this is a curated experience. This is not a fire and forget game. That you know, once players shortcut the the once it's solved, it's done. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 that makes sense. Uh, totally stumbled over words there. No, it's, it's, it's okay, Greg. You're okay. We're putting that in. <laughs> absolutely. And, and this bit. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Andre, why don't you explain that a little bit more, though? Like, what, what's what's so anathema about, you know, things being solved? Yeah, so we sort of want a game that's basically an ongoing challenge. There's always something sort of new to explore, to discover. And we also think that, you know, LOL's a game where there's still a lot we can be improving. That sort of shakes things up. So as Greg mentioned earlier, we don't want to be doing that during sort of the middle of the normal ranked or gotcha. you know, professional competitive period. Well, there's definitely a concept this time of trying to bundle some changes together, right? You want to maybe talk a little about how if we're going to change the marksman, we also want to change the marksman items. And Actually, that, yeah, good point. Um, and so something we'd been interested in, in doing for a while this year was sort of looking at you know, entire classes of character. Mm-hmm. You know, we started off with sort of a trial with four of the juggernauts and you know, a couple of items, you know, Dead Man's Plate and Black Cleaver for them. And we're sort of interested in doing that on a, a bigger scale and tackling one of the sort of most uh, most similar feeling classes. You know, we've got a lot of marksmen that basically do fairly similar things. You know, oh, okay. And, yeah. and, and what you guys are saying is essentially because that also required pretty, pretty significant uh, item updates in this case, you know, as contrasted with juggernauts, that just wasn't something we were really comfortable doing in the middle of the season, just because the level of change was just so much greater. 
Well, to be fair, we did change a lot of the Juggernaut items. Yeah, that's true. Same time we changed <laughs> the Juggernauts. The, the Maximan item changes are definitely on a bigger scale again than, yeah. than the Juggernaut stuff. Yeah. This feels more a uh, more holistic reevaluation of the class. Like, we have changes for every Marksman, even if they're smaller. And basically every item was either completely remade or it received substantial updates. Whereas with Juggernauts, we changed four of them. Um, and added some new items, but we didn't do a complete refactor of the existing ones. And I think that meant that you know th things aren't a, weren't as smooth because you had you know the old and the new butting heads sometimes. Um, here, I think we've been able to do a lot of like balance and assessment of the play of all of the champions against one another in a in a way that I think players will enjoy more. Yeah, we had a lot of meetings early on. I mean, starting months ago, mm. of high level things we kind of wanted to hit and. Um, I sat down with some of the leads. We agreed, hey, let's work on marksmen, but we left it up to the team to decide which marksmen they would touch and it ended up being all of them um, and, you know, how they would do that and kind of what the goals for differentiating them were. were was COG going to be more of a, a magic damage or is it going to be more of an artillery or is it going to be more of the glass cannon and kind of um, sharpening those differences? We're also sort of trying to set up, I guess, set up for some of the work ahead in the coming year as well, you know, we're tackling marksmen here. We'd like to tackle, you know, another class or two in sort of the first half of 2016 if we can. Gotcha. Haven't figured out which ones yet. I know sort of Brad and co are still bashing around ideas, whether that's... Uh, like offensive tanks um, or maybe like uh, assassins. Mm -hmm. those, those two come to the front. So is... Our is discussions. So is Ross... Is, uh, is kind of like... Are, are these kinds of changes... Uh, where we where we kind of bundle a, a, a class and, and take some pretty serious you know swings at like new mechanics and stuff like that is that kind of it's a relatively new thing you know we hadn't seen it before juggernauts is that the way of the future? Well, I think that's still up in the air. Um, how marksman how these marksman changes are received and whether they have a positive effect on the game will probably shape some of our our attitude toward it. Personally, I think it's a great way to to make change because. In particular, roster projects are about differentiating champions from one another and lumping champions together with their most similar counterparts um, enables us to quickly get to the meat of like why one champion may be too similar to another. Um, so if we did a, a more uh, scattershot approach or just took maybe the lowest hanging fruit of the individual champion level, we might inadvertently be making two champion, one champion less similar to another but more similar to someone else. Gotcha. Sort of shifting Corky so he's less like Israel, but more like Graves or or whatever. It that's be. that's the risk you could mm -hmm. you could go to. Yeah, if you were just thinking about the individual, but only look um, holistically mm -hmm. at all champions that sort of perform a certain function in the mm -hmm. game, uh, it, it's helped us to to resolve some of those problems. So only doing entire classes also means we can then go and you know, look at their items, adjust yeah. those. Yeah, it's you know, super as an helpful group, for a surrounding teams, and then adjust the characters to go with the items again. Yeah. Yeah, the like the game systems team is doing this big overall haul for marksman items actually almost independently of us, and so mm. we acted. In some ways, they acted as a service team to us because we'd be like, "Hey, we, you know, it's really hard to make champions that do any when everyone has to buy Infinity Edge first, right?" <laughs> and in a lot of ways, we acted as a service team for them because they were like, uh, you know, we want to bind champions to certain stats so that there's a path of items or three paths of items. There's more than just a single path of items that makes sense for you and you make some choices within there. Sure. We, no, we did some of that with the Juggernauts as well, didn't we? 
Yeah, we d- definitely we did. Um, we, like one thing we did was we um, ga- we upped their base AD um, uh, relative to their ratios, and that made items like uh, Sterics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that made Sterics better on them um, in Trinity Force. Um, and we also generally identified uh, those sort of ju- juggernauts, offensive, tanky people as uh, wanting to scale with health because they generally can't afford to build like uh, – exactly the right defensive item for the right situation since they just sort of weighed in and everyone beats on them. Um, so hence so, sort of Titanic Hydra as a correct offense defense combination. Yep. So well, here's a question players may be wondering about when we took on fighters, we agreed that there were subclasses of fighters. There's juggernauts and maybe divers and maybe some type of light fighter that, that we'll get to. Um, what about marksmen? Do we think there are subclasses of marksmen? I don't. I think that marksman is a like relevant unit of analysis. Um, we the roster team spent some time sort of thinking about what the uh, at a strategic level of game in game functionality was a relevant way to bifurcate classes. That said, I think there are some people that we think of as marksmen that aren't what our class definition is. So graves as a you know short range. Um, like risky champion who isn't attacking continuously, um, he might be more similar in nature to a Yasuo or a Riven, actually. Um, conversely, uh, someone who's really long range like Ezreal, he may actually be more similar to sort of an artillery piece that bombards you for a really long time from outside of your range. So he would fit closer to Zareth or Jace in that regard. So maybe breaking down the concept a little bit that marksman equals ADC equals duo bottom lane and mm. that's the only place you can play. We've also got some of those characters who can play in you know, multiple sort of different positions or roles. You know, yeah. Israel mid you know, tends to build and play differently to Israel bot who's doing the more sort of traditional ADC carry thing. Uh, we see the same thing, sort of thing with Varus. Yeah. As you say, they're kind of more like the AP cog, the just mage like sort of play, bombard them from range versus and they're auto-attacking constantly. Yeah, and they're really good picks with, like, strong disengage against teams that, that don't have that engage potential, whereas I think a marksman is, a, as we define it, is more comfortable with team fights actually breaking out, whereas Varus would love for the fight to never actually begin so he can poke you out. Intermittently. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by you guys. Uh, weirdly, like you are, uh, you know, from my perspective, relative layman on this, you guys are... Are increasing that definition, I'm definitely getting much more of a sense of like, oh man, I want to play this guy because I'd like to do this specific thing rather, with him rather than, you know, shoot you with my eye edge. Uh, but you're, it also, interestingly, is you're making me think of like how you're, you're kind of blending the lines between them as well. Like the fact that it doesn't have to be guy with gun or bow is a 500 to 600 range attacker uh, who, you know, hits you in this way. The fact that, you know, like it, it makes me think, oh yeah, Thresh actually does have a range attack. And then, and then we're almost moving graves in that direction of he's still ranged. It's much shorter and that's going to have like really wide, you know, uh, you know, uh, you're going to create a much wider ecosystem among this relatively like straightforward class beforehand, I would say. Potentially. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I disagree with is I'd say our players are going to create a much wider ecosystem. Good point. Hopefully we've <laughs> given uh, you guys out there the tools to do that. Um, but that's that is just this this approach is more about giving players the tools to potentially find new strategies at the team level to win a game of league um, and less about sort of prescribing, you know, a new way to win in particular, because I, I have no idea where whether Graves will be an overpowered jungler or a really good bot laner or a really what. niche bot laner. Yeah. Um, 
I we have some we, you know we have some data from our internal playtests and a little bit from PBE that he does function in bot lane, but eh, you never quite know. <laughs> so that's actually a good question. If we're talking about giving players more flexibility, if they can kind of choose items depending on the comp or the situation, is that going to end up feeling like a net buff to marksmen? Because now they can kind of build the strengths they want rather than just the strengths that we kind of assign them. Almost certainly, I think. Being, you know, when you're playing Misfortune and you don't have to start, like when you can buy the right item for the right situation, your gold is going to a higher value use, even if you have less AD than you did uh you know, before the items were available. I think it's very empowering and that marksmen feel great, partially as a result of that. The caveat is that they only feel great if you actually thought about the item you should buy in the situation. I've had tons of games, particularly at the start <laughs> of our internal testing of this, where I literally just did the same thing I do sure. on live and I got hammered. And now that I'm adjusting and building, you know, a mercurial scimitar when it makes sense or choosing yeah. the right you know, penetration item for the composition of the enemy team, um, I'm feeling a lot better about the champions. I know I'm going to have issues there. I uh, I already, I mean, like you look at something like rapid fire cannon, it's like, ooh, shiny, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be very hard for me to not just constantly be building that or, or various other, other items that have splashy effects. That's the tragedy of PvP <laughs> games, right? Is that you're pressured to optimize, but hopefully... I'm excited to have the yeah. choice, though. I mean, that's yeah. also kind of what the preseason's for. Sure. You know, it's that period of experimentation of trying out that sort of random stuff and... So we've, you know, we've talked a bunch about ADC, uh, marksmen, excuse me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> forbidden term, uh, and and as well as their items, there, there's just some other items that are going to affect, you know, them as everybody, uh, as well as, you know, hopefully everybody else in the game, you know, along the lines you talked about, about having something in preseason for everybody to be excited about, uh, and I'm talking about those starting items, you know, all those, you know, weird new potions and, uh, and, and, and interesting new mechanics uh, on, on previously, you know, pretty straightforward stat sticks uh, to start the game off with one you know what 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 are we going for there just high yeah, level uh, we've got a few different things we're trying we sort of want each you know each role or each each position to have a, a couple of items they can think about depending on what they're after so on a bot lane if you want sort of normal no, normal pvp power doran's mm -hmm. blade still a really solid choice if you want to play really defensively and just farm or think you can just control the lane we've got a new item called cull that gives you bonus gold for you know each minion kill and a bunch more when you sort of cap it out Similar sort of experience in mid lane. You know, Doran's Ring is sort of the farming item. Um, a new item called Dark Dark Signet? Oh, I, I Or don't... Dark Seal or something similar. <laughs> I still think of it by the name the previous name we had. Oh, what <laughs> was that? What was that? Oh, it was Noxian <laughs> something. Yeah, it was Noxian Signet. Yeah. Yeah. Why oh, do you guys hate Noxians? God. <laughs> hate those guys. <laughs> no, uh, so Noxian Signet, which is sort of more a, a mini sort of Mijai's Soul Stealer. So it's sort of that snowball. I want to roam and you know, gank other lanes sort of item. That sort of thing. So part of the design of like the whole Doran's brand of items was, oh, this is a pretty safe first pick that you're, you know, you're not going to end up regretting. You're not going to dig yourself a hole. Are we worried now that players are going to like lose the game with their first item pick? I don't think so. I actually think we were really cautious with the new starting items, and of course, that of course the Doran's did, right? items are really, really still safe bets. If if you didn't know about um, Call and Oxian Signet. You'd be able to do just fine. Mm. You're missing out on a situational optimization, but um, yeah, a lot of the feedback we got in playtesting that the systems team got was, you know, this is it's so early in the game. This this choice I made yeah. before I even made my first move on the map, I re it regretted later. And you don't really know much about your opponent yet. You don't know if you're facing, um, you know, the the really good Riven or the Riven that you get to smash in lane uh, at that point. <laughs> and so buying a Magi is 
right? When that's still up in the air is a dicey proposition. So sort of getting a getting some variety into that sort of first five to ten minutes in line without deciding too much before it's... Yeah, and they face a challenging task. And so the items are ideally, I think, they're more about you than about your opponent. Um, whereas an item like Doran's shield was in a lot of ways more about your opponent than you. And, and I, I really like, although I do think this is too cautious, I like the direction of this being an expression of how you plan to play the lane rather than how you plan to react to the particulars of the opponent you haven't seen yet. If those starting items go well, that's also something we could sort of expand on a bit, either you know, during the, the coming season or middle of the year or something. Yeah, I, I, I have to think starting items are like oddly underexplored given that they're one of the few things you do every game no matter what happens. Mm, and so. they're the item system for you for a significant chunk of, yep. of the game. Yeah. And if you need more information about what the enemy's doing, you can just put green wards all over the map. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> too bad, soon. Bad, bad news, Greg. Too, yeah. too soon. Too soon. Okay, well, that that's a hell of a segue. What? Uh, so 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 vision's a super fundamental thing, Greg. Uh, what? Uh, why are you, why are you messing with that? There are a lot of ways to um, express vision in League. Um, probably too many. And so we, one of the goals for the preseason was let's look at all the different ways that players have for vision and talk about, do we really need them all? Are we getting interesting decisions out of them? Are we just kind of clogging up the, the, the store? Are we making vision too easy? <laughs> um, and I'll let these guys talk a little about, uh, you know, our thought process of why particularly the changes to green wards and, and sight stones and things like that. Yeah, uh, one of the biggest things we wanted to do with the whole Greenwood thing was to decouple the vision game somewhat more from, effectively, from what you're spending gold on. Early game, you know, making you more reliant on sort of trinkets for wards, with yellow trinket now starting with two charges, and making pinks a bit cheaper as well if you need another sort of longer-term source of, of vision to throw down. Mm -hmm. So the Lees and the Katarinas of the world don't have to worry about ward hopping being more expensive. Uh, they'll still do their thing. We'll stop them. <laughs> yep. Wards are now a thousand gold. Yeah. Lee uh, play is unaffected. I also think increasingly we recognize that uh, you know it used to be like oh buying wards is that way to get out of you know silver or something. Where you place your wards, how you use your vision is now the the real battle lines in terms of progression. And so I'm very comfortable with the fact that we've you know removed the the need to like stop progressing your item fantasy and start buying wards and replace that with how are you going to use the finite set of vision tools available to you most effectively. So testing where I sweep. Where I sweep, when, when I When sweep. I put down a ward yep. charge, as opposed to do I know I should be buying wards in the first place, yes, no? Yeah. Wow. Focusing that, that's always been okay. the test, right? But I think it's... We've, we've discovered that like almost every player is so far from optimal war vision, you know, warding and, and, and optimal sweeping that there's still a ton of depth, um, maybe even more, to giving you a fixed amount of vision. And listen, another good segue there is because we made another small change to provide a little more information about where the other team or maybe even the players on your team are warding. Oh, the uh, the ward rubble yeah. or ruins or whatever we're calling them? Ward corpses. Why why you gotta be like that? Ward corpses? Jesus. Look, green, Is it, are you look, green wards are dead. Are so. you guys telling <laughs> you guys telling me words have feelings and souls and personas? Yeah, there's a movie from Pixar That's about That's exactly it. what we said, yes. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, so basically enemy wards when they vanish um, will sort of leave a little bit of rubble on the ground at, at the point they were placed at for I think it's about ten minutes. Okay. And so basically yes, you're if you're sort of walking around and you're seeing some of these around, you'll start to if you're paying attention, build up an understanding of you know where the enemy team's been warding. 
So you're sort of able to think, okay, maybe I should pink ward that spot or use a sweeper in this brush. Or, well, possibly I'm not seeing any of, the, any of these things. The enemy team's being really terrible with vision. We should you know, try and take Baron. Or, <laughs> yeah, be so, more aggressive with the jungle, that sort of thing. So that, that uh, uh, clearly I'm not good enough at this game because you guys blow my mind like four times already. And I kind of even know what we're talking about already. But uh, with the word corpses, that to me is, is a great example of like something I would have never thought of in a million years, you know, as, as, as a player myself. What a is that something that just somebody had a cool idea one day and you're like that neatly solved some problems we had or was that actually a we need to accomplish this and then figuring out that ward corpses are the way to do that? No, I think it is a problem we have understood for a while that what the enemy is doing with the vision game is largely invisible to you as an opponent. The solution to that was very plainly not making all words visible because we love the uncertainty generated through not knowing all the time sure. whether you're being watched. Um, and so an approach – I think that led very logically um, in uh, Zipherus's mind to, OK, when the word expires, we will reveal where it was placed so that – you know, you're always playing against perfect information of where the enemy warded five minutes ago, but now you don't know. Built-in spectator delay, something like that. Bingo. Terrible analogy? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, pretty similar. As usual. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, all right, good stuff. So, uh, you know, we're, we're again, uh, we're talking here about those things that really affect everybody. I'm, I'm curious, you guys were talking a bit about, about breadth, about, you know, you're entering into a game of League of Legends, something on, on the list of changes is going to affect you no matter where you are. What I'm seeing as well, just thinking about now, is that there's almost actually as well a, a, a you know, kind of breadth of change in the other direction, i.e. from the moment you jump into game, or the moment you're even getting ready to play the game with masteries, all, all the way until relatively end game things where, you know, you're talking about like optimizing your marksman and stuff like that in the vision game. Was was that as well kind of a, a, a breadth thing that you guys were going for when kicking off this preseason? Uh, that one was more sort of an organic and fortunate thing. Okay. You know, we, we do uh, spend quite a bit of time <laughs> we'll looking at sort of the, the different phases of the game. <laughs> you know, the, the pre-minion spawn invade. Sure. Early laning, sort of the mid-game when you're taking towers and scrapping over dragon. <coughs> and then sort of the, the late game team fighting and sieging. Um, wasn't particularly an explicit goal this year to sort of really try and nail down each of those phases, but... You know, now that you pointed out, it's you know, great that we've got something. We'll in most take of them. it, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm a genius. I'm not as bad at this game as I thought. Okay, awesome. Well, there's one more, uh, you know, one more thing that we had to talk about that, that really affects everybody, and it's it's the masteries. Uh, what a jump us in there, Greg, because I, I have no idea what's going on. Well, I do have a reputation for taking interesting um, systems in games and dumbing them down to just a few choices so <laughs> i know i'll get credit and blame for this regardless of sure. who actually did the work so how did we how did we get into that uh, where where did even where did the whole idea hey we really got to mess with masteries come from our old mastery system is atrocious everyone knew it and so it was obvious that it should be changed i think no one felt like we could do the silver bullet solution in our present game client and so we put off working on it but finally, I think maybe Greg was the impetus here. Like <laughs> Ghost Crawler someone, made us do it. Ghost Crawler made us do it, Ghost right. And, uh, made us do it. <laughs> and thank you very much. <laughs> okay, awesome. Good job, Greg. I mean, it's just there are a lot of small passive changes in there. Um, almost every player just adapts a build or looks it up and stops interacting with the system again after that. I know I do. <laughs> I so, also I also don't think I've changed my runes since like season two. Still we'll we'll get to runes too. <laughs> yeah. Not this preseason. My sort of biggest goal with the masteries was to 
make it so that, you know, we took took all the sort of the gold, the power that was in them, and really concentrated most of that into a few meaningful ones. Why? Yeah, stuff you'll... We want stuff you can actually notice in game. Okay. Oh, yeah, so you, that's you, the why? Yeah, you can feel it. You can play around it. It'll influence your choice. You care which masteries you have, your teammates have, your enemies have, rather than just selecting, you know, 921 at the start and forgetting about them after that. Sure. Do you, uh, do you guys think there will be more variability in these? Yeah, I feel like there's usually uh, one, you know, maybe two ways to, to set up your masteries for uh, a champion currently. Do you, do you think there's actually be a little more variety in, in that in that way of like, how do I want to approach this game uh, with it with single champions? I don't think we had very much under the previous system. Yeah, so yeah I'm, absolutely. I'm pretty sure we will get at least some <laughs> okay, more. Okay, so there's at least yeah, some more. Comparative <laughs> questions, throw those out the window. Again, the yeah. old mastery system okay. was terrible. And I'm sorry, you guys, that, you know, to all our players, like, I'm sorry we gave you that for so long. But we don't know, right? Whether players will solve this and it will will look back and be like, what, all of those out the tr- the optimal runes or masteries that's so obvious right in hindsight that's one thing we now have a framework in place where it's like gotcha. hey you know there you're making a meaningful decision between you know these three choices in front of you and they're mutually exclusive um that gives us the ability to iterate on them make it so that they are things that on a game by game or champion by champion basis you'll make different calls on yeah, so i mean we'll need to do a bunch of balance work on those to follow yeah. up on them uh, potentially during the season, we might want to add a couple of new ones somewhere as well. If we've got, hey, you know, this type of, let's say, caster support just doesn't have the right sort of masteries in certain trees. Yeah, and there's the space there to make those additions. So, like philosophically, I really want to call out that we strive not to just make change for the sake of change, that we really are trying to add depth to systems that lack it. Um, that's kind of the promise of League of Legends that you have to be smart, you have to make good decisions. And because, I mean, for a lot of reasons, partially because the game has developed so quickly and grew grew fast. We've accrued a lot of design debt, and you see it in some of the older mm-hmm. champions. Um, you definitely see it in systems like Runes and Mastery. So those are ripe opportunities for us to go in and try to make them something players can actually engage with rather than being, why do I have to do this kind of brain-dead step before I can jump into a game? I guess I've never thought about it like that. That's that's kind of that. I, I think about it a lot, I guess, a similar thing now that I'm thinking about it with champion updates where it's like, oh, God, how do you even catch up essentially because you know by the time you've updated you know x number all of a sudden ones that weren't outdated now are uh i guess i hadn't considered the fact that 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 can exist throughout the game experience actually i do think there's so maybe in terms of like art that might be true like we didn't have as many polygons per model um in the past gameplay is more timeless um and in some ways it it, there are many mod- more modern champions that I think would be great candidates for champion updates. Mm. Um, and there's some older champions that are in pretty good shape. They're that in we great don't, shape, Yeah, right? they don't uh, need it. Yeah. So if you're, you're a Nivea's or you're, oh, yeah. you're a Mumu's. Right. Um, and so, yeah, maybe they could use some small changes just because we've – a lot of our approach to, like, micro-level design has changed. Maybe, you know, their casts could feel more impactful at that moment, but – the core of their gameplay is really solid and something that I think, you know, some of our new champions could learn from. So it's not just about modernization. I think that's that's not what champion update ought to be about, and it's not sure. what, it, what it is about. But we have so many champions that, and the release cadence is slowed, that it feels like we work on the older ones more. <laughs> sure. All right, well, there was uh, there was one uh, one uh, quite big uh, thing that we still haven't, uh, we, we talked about a little bit at the beginning, but haven't, uh, you know, fully dove into uh, the uh, the Herald, I think, is the name right now, yes? It yeah. was Duchess originally because we knew that it wanted to precede Barons. That was our in-joke until we knew exactly what the art was going to look like. 
but now it's Harold. So where did that come from? I mean, I guess that's 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 again just kind of one of those things. There's already a, there's already a monster there. Who the heck had the idea? We haven't we haven't done anything like that, right? Who the heck had the idea to put a mob in another mob? Spot? Every preseason, there's something in that. <laughs> yeah, that one more jungle camp <laughs> yeah. every time. Um, it was Rift Scuttler last time. By by preseason thirteen, we're going to be putting monsters in the base. <laughs> In the I, shop. I pitched yeah. that yep. this preseason, by the way. Are you kidding me? No, it's like a, the safe camp. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I want to see. I want to see. Of course, there's probably a reason we didn't do that. I want to. I want to see the like that. my proposal for the for the next preseason doc by Brad certainly T. Wetman. <laughs> You'd really don't. <laughs> so, any, even with Rift Herald, right? There was we went through a lot of iteration. We tried. A, I mean, the the goal you guys can talk about was to help top feel like less of an, an island i mean we know some players really like the you know the duel between two two top laners but it felt so far removed from the rest of the strategy for the for the game post laning mm. i mean yeah basically as greg says there we, we wanted to start off by effectively giving some more options to top laners um, rather than always you know go there farm safely teleport down for dragon fights or if you're in a really high tier game you know maybe rotating with your bot lane sometimes Want to get some more reward for sort of for winning that for meeting up with your jungler? Sure. So it started off like literally just as a problem statement. It sounds like. Yeah, and we we looked at a few different options. Um, okay. Sort of first one was, hey, can we can we mess with sort of minion waves? Maybe have them smaller waves that spawn more often, that sort of thing. Only in top. Only in top. Interesting. Uh, didn't sort of feel that hit the mark. We then explored sort of a shrine a little bit like the twisted tree line ones in sort of the middle of the middle brush in top lane, sort of a thing to fight over and control. That sort of became a sort of really sort of snowbally thing. You just constantly pushed, bullied the other person, took control of that, never gave it up. They took a pretty sort of, to be honest, dull experience. Okay. And something else that got pitched though was, hey, let's let's try putting a creature in, you know, in the Baron pit. You know, the, the map's sort of really weighted towards the bottom. There's more people down there. There's this significant objective in Dragon. What if we put something up there to sort of pull people up or to make it more valuable to control this part of the map? And it's just empty until Baron spawns. Sure. No, I mean, I mean, again, it's a it's a case of well, that makes a lot of sense actually. <laughs> it's just not something we would have thought ahead of, uh, ahead of time. I, I the interesting thing for me there is that this uh, the design of this creature seems to have been a very purposeful, uh, you know, oh, we need it to provide this sort of challenge. Whereas I've always felt personally like a lot of the other mobs are kind of just intended to pre present variety, not necessarily a a specific problem or anything like that. Well, Maybe just I'm wrong. DPS tests. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And it's oh. like this one is this version where you know the the balance between the big mob and the smaller mobs is is X percentage, and then a, you know different a different one. But this guy requires a fundamentally different approach. Why'd you guys go for that? Basically, if you brought two people, you're much more than just twice as effective. You know, you've got one person tanking the thing and the other backstabbing it, getting those really large, you know, hundreds of true damage procs going on. Uh, sort of play up the teamwork thing to, sure. you know, address some of that top lane as an island feeling. Yeah, I guess yeah, we didn't want sense. just one more camp for the jungler to deal with as part of their, you know, rotation. Sure. Is this kind of a case, though, again, yeah, you know, Brad, you've been saying a ton here that, like, ultimately the players are, are the, the, you know, the, 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 the metric. Well, yeah, the, this, this is the most dangerous change of the preseason in terms okay. of us not knowing the actual, the exact consequences of it. Um, <laughs> and I applaud uh, Jeevan, Riot Jag, for, for being confident enough to do that. Sure. Uh, I mean, who knows? It's a very powerful buff it gives, right? It's a, in terms, in terms of offensive function of minions around you, it is a barren buff. Um, and we're seeing a ton of speculation from players that, oh, they're just going to invert and put dual lane at the top and send the, you know, the current top guy down to the bottom. Yeah. 
yeah, I think taking aggressive mids that can push the wave in and give you more access to it because mm -hmm. I think you can take it a little faster. It is very damaging, but you can take it faster than the dragon in my experience. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how players make use of it. Um, and I don't think we... The things we're doing are the optimal way to make use of the buff, right? Yeah, internally. Well, maybe you could talk a little about at what stage would we step in and and patch it versus just, hey, players figured this out this particular way, so we're just going to let it go. Gosh, I mean, I think there there's – so there is like players find the optimal way. That doesn't mean that players get to keep that optimal way, right? You get your, um, you know – month and a half of get raking in lots of wins because you've figured out how to abuse the system, whether it's AP Trindamir or some cool use for the Herald. Um, my feeling though is we, we patch it if it's leading to uh, staleness. It's like we always know how to deal with this Rift Herald every time, right? We adopt this strategy of the jungler just camps the top lane incessantly and then and then you, you work over that. Um, or it's leading to a breakdown in other elements of the game, right? So theoretically, you could end the game at like 15 minutes on the back of Rift Herald if, you know, the other team doesn't have a ton of wave clear and you have great push. That's not ideal if it's happening a lot of the time, right? Sure. So if it's really interrupting the rest of the game flow, that I think necessitates us stepping in. Mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's making the game less interesting. Right. So, so basically, if the decision itself is really dry and boring, or if it's heavily impacting other decisions that you make in the game. And I think when, when explained that way, like a lot of the stuff we do to take away strategies from players that they've sort of come to love actually seems really reasonable, right? We're not boogeymen. So super important question that players ask me all the time is, will Baron in fact eat Rift Herald if he's still there when Baron spawns? <laughs> yeah, uh, long term, we'd love to do that. We won't have that in for preseason. I mean, makes sense. You guys are, from everything it sounds like, these are intentionally, not not like overdone changes necessarily, but you guys are intentionally pushing the limits. And, and in, some, in many cases, we'll have to tune, balance, all of those things going forward. I guess that's comforting for me to hear because just given the level of change here, it's, it's easy to be like, it's easy to perceive these things as so final when, when in fact, as you guys have mentioned repeatedly, these are foundational uh, you know, steps going forward. So uh, you guys have talked here. I mean, this really seems to, from everything I'm hearing, have been our most ambitious and kind of pre-planned, pre-thought-out approach to a preseason yet. I'm it is sure. exciting and terrifying. <laughs> I'm sure necessarily uh, there's been a ton of challenges, hiccups, course corrections, that type of thing. You know, you've talked about some of them, but but uh, but I guess just, yeah, what were some of the things where it was like, holy crap, that was done wrong early on or things that we had to change, uh, you know, uh, very quickly in the process of doing all this? Well, one thing... Um, we were experimenting for a time with uh, a, a plan to upgrade summoner spells. Um, they ended up cutting for like lack of mostly worried about can we really deliver on this as well as all these other changes sure. going at the same time. It had, I think, some promise and we may explore it again in the future. But sure, I guess. Uh, yeah. To, I mean, to some extent. You know, once you're, you're kind of these these changes kind of multiply together, I guess, in terms of your guys' ability to like kind of test and see what normal is. So, I mean, summoner, we're already doing some pretty fundamental changes. So, if summoner yeah. spells are tacked onto that as well, it's and we it's can only hard play test so many times a day, and you <laughs> exactly. can only you know test so many variables at the same time. If it's like ten updated champions all buying brand new items and killing new creatures, your ability to detect what's working or not really goes downhill. Sure. 
What about with the marksmen? Like, how did we, uh, you know, pick the ones that we were we were working on? I mean, it's, it seems like we've got those those core six, and then a couple other that are getting lighter touches. Just how did you know? It, it sounded like we approached the class. Why did we pick those ones in particular? Uh, yeah. So within the class, we we kind of did an analysis of like what was every marksman's thing, their unique reason for bringing them, and we saw a fair amount of overlap. Um, and then our our first gut was to to be like, well. You know, the the more recently released one is like usurped that other champion's like role. Gotcha. Um, but we stepped back from that, thankfully, and we thought about, well, like, well, which champion has something really um, that would feel just right for them to contribute to winning the game um, that they're not getting right now? And so in the case like Graves and Lucian, we identify as high overlap. Um, and we were like, OK, so what should we do to Lucian? I was like, wait a minute. It doesn't make any sense that the guy who actually feels like a dude with two pistols um, is being compared to the guy with a shotgun, right? And it, that there's something off about the guy with the shotgun <laughs> sure. in this case. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so, so that was really how we started was looking at champions that from at a strategic level either did too much, uh, uh, jinx or too little, um, and then uh, we we winnowed it down from there based on what we had ideas for and what the. Um, you know, three designers on the team were were like passionate about because we wanted to work really f like f we wanted to be fast and good. And so if there was a champion that we didn't have ideas for, we resolved not to force it. And I actually feel like some of our work on Juggernauts was forced. Um, and and here we said, you know, if we don't get something massive for every marksman, let's just make sure we have something that players will really love for every marksman and that's players not just of those champions but in the entire game experience so they'll be like wow i'm really glad we have a corky on our game on my team this game or like sure. wow it's really stupid that the guy picked corky on my team <laughs> and, and it's so obvious why okay. right? as opposed to like doesn't he know he has two percent lower win rate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so knowing that we may have already changed things by the time this this podcast airs which um marksman changes do you think are going to be the most controversial Oh, um, I mean, definitely Graves. Yeah, Graves will be a big one. Quinn will be a big one. The ones that will be low, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Graves and Quinn stand out. They're they're the most substantial changes. And, you know, let's face it, for a lot of, like, you, we, we spend so much time in the game and league mm -hmm. that um, there's a sense of comfort you you come to have in your favorite champion or champions. And so the... The biggest predictor of whether players will be upset is the size of the change, even sure. above the like quality of the change. Honestly, now I know, you know, changes that are bad also generate frustration. But we the number one thing is just <laughs> is just how big it is. And Graves and Quinn sure. have the biggest ones. Hopefully, I think they're both really exciting changes that fundamentally make those champions like able to they give you capabilities that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and if, yeah. I think one of the other things there is uh, when those changes sort of feel cohesive and make sense with the character, I think we get a much more, you know, understandably positive reaction. Hopefully. I mean, that's just good design, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> Graves, you know, we're playing up the shotgun thing. Fires a whole bunch of pallets. You can get up close in somebody's face and deal more damage. Doesn't have particularly long range. You know, sort of really cohesive fantasy going on there. You know, you get why that's on sort of the manly ADC of Graves. Are we playing up the mustache and cigar as well? Oh, don't mention the cigar. Um, I Greg, think by contrast, Greg, you messed up. <laughs> I think by contrast, uh, Scana from the previous set of updates actually was an example where we didn't get that uh, particularly well. You know, we added in sort of the 
the crystals around the map yeah. to sort of give him some something new to engage with, but doesn't feel as sort of tied to his his core as you know the scorpion that goes in there and impales somebody and drags them out. Yeah, getting really like nuts and bolts. Uh, working on Markson was a pleasure because um, for Skarner to do things like he needs new animations because he's melee, right? Whereas Graves, we can. We can use a lot of the same particles and a lot of the same animations and update what's coming out of his gun. And so it gave us a lot more ability to work iteratively and to be confident that we could deliver final product. Now, we did kill our VFX artist, <laughs> Shannon, right, Phoenix? Um, almost literally, she worked her butt off. Yeah, there was um, right. It was uh, one of the quirky skins, right, where it was like, are we going to be able to get this done in time and should we ship it without the update? We actually, as a team, resolved that we weren't going to ship a dragon wing corky at in patch 522 the preseason we're going to ship it later and um yeah her her and john shirky are, are two vfx artists were basically were like no that that's not right at all and they just developed a plan and worked they just beast tirelessly it to, yeah, yeah that's awesome um, shout out to the archives yeah i mean i i guess that's that's uh that's definitely something to keep in mind we get so excited here about the uh the gameplay stuff going on and because of the reason you mentioned where some of these things can almost be co-opted into their new uses and and ideally kind of don't look overly different from what they used to look like uh it's easy to forget how much art change is actually going into here yeah actually, design a gets a lot of credit i think and and this is a fantastic design team, um, and I'm, I'm super proud of what we've been able to do. But it's a it's a group effort. I mean, it takes it takes QA, it takes engineering, it takes production and and narrative. It's a um, a lot of people go in working on a you know a set of features this large. Actually, just a question there for you, Brad. Again, sort of sticking with the nuts and bolts thing for a second. For the, whichever class we tackle next, do you think we should be sort of getting in you know more animation resources, or what what could we do better there? Hmm, it's a good question. Um... I actually think that the number one thing we could do is work with our artists to sort of choose a direction in terms of what class we're working on. Getting them all really ex as excited and passionate about the nature of the changes themselves as we are in design, I think we'll get everyone on the same page really early on. And, mm -hmm. and with particularly the juggernauts, we kind of... We started doing all the, the work on them, and when we had them in place, we, like, grabbed a bunch of artists and said, work with us. And oftentimes they were just confused as to what the heck we were doing, right? Um, and and that slowed our iteration and I think made it not feel as great for them to work on. So going back just to some of our general riot values of, like, everyone's people are empowered and feel like a part of the team would be the number one thing. Um, in terms of specific art stuff, I think... We, we could always use more sound, I think. Mm -hmm. um, that that would be just awesome. Animation is honestly just limited in a lot of ways by, like, older rigs. Um, and, and I don't think we can maintain the pace we work at with those. Sure. Yeah, I mean, gosh. There's... Sorry, that really was nuts and bolts. But... Yeah, no, I mean, it's just I, that's the interesting thing is, like, if – Across spectrum, you would need ten people at least to to fully just do everything for a champion uh, across the board, which I guess is the the challenge with champ ups. But you know, for this type of stuff, we are hitting so many people all at once. Like you're bound to have limitations there. Interesting. Uh, well, okay, let's uh let's uh let's let's start wrapping things up. So uh, uh one big question I have is just you know to, to kind of cap things off. Just what are you guys personally excited for, Greg? I mean, you have. You know, apparently, you know, six months ago and, and obviously more recent been like, all right, guys, uh, solve this problem. Good luck. Uh, what, uh, what's been really cool for you to see come to fruition? 
I mean, what's really rewarding for me is seeing stuff get in the hands of players. I, you know, the reason I love working on a live game like League is that we ship pretty frequently and we try to keep the game updated. Um, I love, for me, game design is all about interesting decisions. And I love that we're at least attempting to put more decision making in the hands of players. Like, ideally, a great League player should have awesome reflexes, but also should be smart and should be able to make the right decisions giving the information. And those decisions shouldn't be super obvious or, or they're not interesting. So I'm, I'm super excited to see what players do, what comes up that we didn't expect and, and watch them experiment with new masteries and playing champions in different positions. And um, it's going to be a really fun few months. What about you guys on the other side of the table? I'm pretty excited about the mastery system, particularly, you know, as Greg says, you know, seeing what people do with that, how they experiment, what sort of stuff they come up with, and then whether that gives us room to, you know, to expand that, to add in other cool options to support sort of other specific play styles, that sort of thing. Brad? Ooh, um, the changes focused on bot lane, I think, open it up a lot, but generally, like, uh, actually, Dylan told me he was going to ask this question, and so I thought about it for a while. This is the first preseason where I'm kind of excited about almost everything. I actually think the overall quality is really high. And part of that is that we set out very sort of designery goals, right? Like enable choice and decision making. And those are things that we're very comfortable doing when we focus on them because that's literally what game design is. Um, but oftentimes I think a lot of our goals have been much more tactical than that, right? Like um, change the jungle in ways that you know, has these sort of nebulous goals, like no ganking before minute four. And it's like... Tweak turrets to discourage split pushing. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, those are like anti... In terms of like decision-making, those are kind of anti-goals, right? They're not expressed as, you know, well, what do you want people doing if they're not doing that? And maybe make a bunch of options there that are more attractive than rushing down a turret might have been a better way to phrase it. So I I'm excited about most of the changes in this preseason, and I'm excited about, from a methodological perspective, how... The various teams went about setting, and leadership, honestly, you guys, went about setting us up to succeed. That's really cool. Yeah, I uh, I, I feel dumb sitting here with my my answer of, of, uh, of I'm looking forward to uh, to Wombo comboing with MF. <laughs> yeah, um, I want to say one thing, which is that literally in order to tune Misfortune's alt, like I was on the last day, um, <laughs> Static, who did the rework, he just sat there and it was like, Put the whole th get full items. Put the whole thing on someone, and they don't move out of it. And until they die, like hundred to zero from the alt, if so they don't have arms, just it's at not the point tuned of death. right. Yeah, and that, that was it. So you're, you'll you'll be a happy man, I think, if you're interested in in misfortune's ultimate being powerful. Brad, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I just want to see like misfortune in high ranking games and see her like taken seriously as an ADC rather than being kind of like you know something that that low tiers may experiment with. It kind of drops off. So. Hopefully we'll do that. Yeah.